The lowest tiers of Street Fighter V really do suck, but what exactly is it that makes them so hard to win with? Plus, why doesn't Capcom tell its players about the secret ninja balance changes we've been seeing as of late? And finally, Catalyst and I make our bets for E-League this Friday as eight of the best players in the entire world get ready to square off for over $100,000. This is the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. Alright, so I wanted to get into why the low-tier characters suck so bad in Street Fighter V. And that's kind of like, you know, hey, well, they're low-tier, they suck. You know, but, like, I wanted to get into the whys because... I played Vega a good bit back in season one, and he went from being uh, about a mid-tier character, he was pretty viable, to being just atrociously bad. And I don't know really what Capcom's goal like was with them. Like, they kind of rebalanced a lot of other characters' normals, except for like Karen and Nikali. Uh, it, um, they left those characters kind of intact. They didn't do a lot with them from season one to season two. Uh, and they tweaked Vega very heavily. And, and so starting with him, actually, it, it's... I had a lot of people tell me in season one that, or season two, I should say that Vega was still a good character, and, and time has really shown that that is not the case. And you know, it goes back to the classic thing of, hey, people give you a lot of bad advice in these games, so like, be very careful about listening to them. Kind of trust your own instincts a little bit. Uh, but uh, he basically lost his neutral control in the game when he lost his normals, and then he lost a lot of his damage output that he could get from that, and. Because of your ability to kind of roller coaster, or steamroll, I should say, someone in this game, like you could just completely flatline them if you make a bunch of the right guesses. People kind of tend to tell you, like, oh, yeah, like, hey, that character's still good. And it's like, well, guess what? Like, you can do that in Street Fighter V. Like, you can steamroll someone with Alex, you can do it with Ryu, you can do it with a lot of characters. Doesn't mean the character is actually worth a damn. And that's what you have to really be careful about in this game is examine what your character can do and then in comparison with the other characters how hard are you having to work to keep up with people and, and again vega just really gets caught up in the his normals aren't that great anymore in comparison with the other players and then other characters i should say and then his combos setups man does he drop off uh, well what do you what do you mean when you say his normals aren't that great because vega's been traditionally known as someone that has uh, exceptional reach especially because the claw adds a little bit to it um and and so it's like I mean, at least as a Nikali player, my reach isn't great, right? But I, I feel the pain of trying to play neutral with Vega because you're always kind of worried about um, him reaching out at you and, and being able to hit you before you're able to hit him. That doesn't mean a whole lot, but it is pesky, right? And then he's got a pretty quick jump with a, a decent jump um, arc, and, and his jumping roundhouse, I think, is, is a pretty good hit hurtbox kind of um, interaction. And then he's got the slide. So there's a lot of things that come out, and I don't disagree with you that Vega's on the on the lower end of the tier list and everything, but um, I, I just, like, what do you mean when you say his normals aren't that great? Right, so that's a great question. Uh, now, Vega, you know, his normals, he'll hit you with them and peg, uh, peg you with them and, and, you know, neutral and stuff like that, but what does he get afterwards? And that's the big difference between him and someone like Nikali. Nikali is super stubby. You know, most people know that. But if he hits you with a medium punch in neutral, he's going to be able to follow that up into something and actually get something off of it and confirm and, you know, get some damage. And then once he's got Oki on you, then he's able to kind of steamroll you from that point and just, you know, take you out of the match. Vega doesn't really have that luxury because a lot of his setups, actually, once you get them off on the other player, like, they kind of reset him outside of a position where he gets Oki anymore. And it's not every setup that he has, but a lot lot of them actually put you outside of range to do anything more with him 
And and so again, it's it's a lot of uh, it's like we talked about it a couple weeks ago, where little things in Street Fighter Five can make a huge difference. And when you're looking at the the low tier characters that really are terrible in this game, it's sometimes not easy to pick up on those nuances that make them so bad. You know, so it, which which characters before we we get too down too far down the rabbit hole, like which characters are we kind of talking about at this point? Because I know that there obviously there are characters that people like complain about, but they're like they're really not that bad, things like that. But who are the ones that were kind of decided? Like yeah, these guys are not winning things. They're not. They're they're the lowest of the low tier. Yeah, and for me, those characters are Alex, Vega, Ryu, and Zangief. Not in any particular order, but those are my four. How about you? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't disagree. Uh, and and you know, as far as the low tier goes, I have a hard time like really putting my thumb or, or my finger on which those characters specifically are because. It's it's one thing to play like online and mm-hmm. ranked and such, and it's a whole other thing to look at Capcom Pro Tour and major uh, event results. But going off of major event results, I really have to say that uh, at the at the top of the mountain, the competitive mountain, those characters would be just fine. Um, I might throw Fong in there, although I do mm-hmm. think that he's gotten better and better and better. And people uh, people don't study him as much because you're not going to see him as much, and you're not going to be afraid of him as much. So I think he'll also get away with a handful of gimmicks. But not traditionally at the uh, again at the top of that mountain. So maybe Fong's in there as well. He's been regarded as a hilariously bad character since the beginning of the game, and then right. maybe recently with AE, he's he's jumped up out of that kind of status. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm fine going forward. Just saying, you know, Alex, Vega, Ryu, and Zangief. Yeah, that's I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, it's and I kind of have the same thoughts on Fong as well. It's I I think he's a little underrated for what he brings to the table, but a little. He's still not a good character. Um, he's probably at kind of like one of the bottom areas of like there's absolute crap tier, which is the four characters I'm talking about here, and then there's another tier kind of above that where you've got you know other characters that. It's a little hard to say, but at least they're on the viable end of the spectrum where it's like, hey, you're seeing players like compete with these characters in tournament who aren't necessarily like way more skilled than the competition. And and that's where I think sometimes where you run into some interesting things where you might think characters are a lot better than they are is you see like a Zangief in tournament. Like I, there's a Zangief player who got top eight. I think it was like a third. Kichipa, and, yeah. Yeah. And he did really well. And it's like, okay, this guy is really good. Like he's a very, very good player. And and so he took Zangief that far. But look at all the other people who have dropped him and just completely gone away from the character. Uh, I, I tend to look more at the the general common thing that's happening with a character instead of the exceptions and the exceptions are good. It's, it's nice to look at that stuff and see what someone is capable of doing, but just because one person is capable of doing that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the overriding, like, Hey, everyone could do it. It's kind of like, no, it's, it's kind of special that one person could do it. And that kind of tends to be where, you know, it kind of falls off the cliff there. So, so yeah. So of those, one of the rules I was going to like initially try to lay down as far as low tier characters in this game, like the lowest of the low would be that, well, they don't have EX reversals, but mm-hmm. looking at Ryu, Ryu does have one of those. Yep. So, and, and, and he, Ryu on paper looks like he should be okay. He's got a fireball and all the space that he can control with that. He's got an uppercut, which can be invincible with EX. Um, so, so like, where's, where's the issue there? And I guess that's one exactly of the easiest it. things. Yeah. You know, go ahead. That, that's, that's exactly it. And we have a main on staff, uh, Justin. 
Justin um, uh, Adaptive Trigger Gordon, he plays Ryu, and he's talked about this endlessly. And I, I think this is where you're going with it, is it's these little nuances that make these characters really bad. Because you go and you look at Ryu and you say, well, he, he's got good tools, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, he's not as good as Akuma, but like, you know, he's got a fireball, he's got a DP, he's got some damage options. And then you start looking a little closer and you go, man, the range on his normal suck. And oh man, like how is he supposed to set someone up with like Oki consistently? And and then you start going down the list and you start seeing like all these little things that just don't work for the character and they start to add up very quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you compare what Ryu had as arguably, well, I mean, no doubt he was one of the, like, the top three characters in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, what did he lose from there to here to put him not only like from the top three to like the bottom three, essentially? Yeah. Like, what was the change? I'm, I've got to look over the balance changes offhand to, to get here. So I'm going to kind of cheat in the background and do mm-hmm. that. I mean, it seems like he lost some of his combo ability. Uh, and then, of course, the well, everybody that had a DP lost the invincibility of a wake up DP um, without having to use meter. So that would have been a thing as well. But I mean, like, I think the biggest thing was combo ability. It was his ability to, to convert certain things into huge damage. So, Ryu lost range on his normals, mainly standing light kick, which hurt a lot of his combos and general pressure. Uh, then he got slower normals with crouching medium punch and then crouching medium kick as well. And he, Capcom's kind of like design philosophy with him, it seemed like, is they were trying to take him away from being a rushdown character, a very powerful one too. He did massive damage in season one to kind of a range character, which it didn't really work. It's like, I, I honestly think at this point in time that Ryu is the worst uh, zoning kind of range character in the entire game uh, and I mean again that goes with I guess without saying but I mean it's like they tried to make him that type of character and it's like they just failed completely it's he sucks like he really sucks at, at, at zoning and range rushdown and like, or zoning I should say in, the, in a game with that that's so heavily based around rushdown like I don't get what they were trying to do we've seen in this game it used to be in season one if you were a like a zoning character that was just a death sentence because of the just general pace of Street Fighter V. And, and since then, we've seen characters like Guile and Minot, namely, rise up to be those zoning characters that can actually get the job done. And when they can, oh my gosh, they're, they're like the best in the game, right? But it's very difficult to get over that hump and, and just because of the way Street Fighter seems to be generally designed. So, um, yeah, I think Ryu is now kind of a victim of that. And, and they tried to buff his... Well, they did buff his fireballs and such. They gave yeah. him two frames of recovery uh, or, or two frames quicker recovery and such, um, which, which is a big deal. Um, and, and especially in V-Trigger, the guy can throw out some pretty quick uh, projectiles and, and play a little bit of that game. But again, in V-Trigger, he's got like five of them and then he's back to normal and such. And so it just really, like he's got some tools. It's just, I think what it comes down to is Anything that he can do, other characters can do better. And I think yeah. we've talked about that on the site before as well. There's just way better options. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a twofold thing. One, Ryu and these other characters are are difficult to win with. But two, people are going to play other characters that can do what they try to do better because, I mean, why wouldn't you do that? And so not only is it hard to win, but people aren't going to pick them as much. And I think those are the two main reasons as to why, you know, they feed into each other as to why we're not seeing them in, you know, top eights and things like that. Yeah, When you've got your poster boy for the entire franchise and the hands down most popular character, even in Street Fighter V, he's still the most popular character. And you do not see that character at all in tournaments. You have a huge problem on your hands. It's like, what are you doing? Like, how do you mess up the character this 
bad. And again, I get it. Like he was rushed down before we're going to make him zoning. It's like, okay, like make him zoning, but make him not suck. And, and that's what you do, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Capcom's so consistent, like with Akuma, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he was designed to be an OP character. And in almost every single game that he's in, he's one of the best or the absolute best. Mm-hmm. And they've been consistent with that, despite the fact that he's been in very differently, like drastically different games and, and had different tools and such. But regardless, he's always one of the best. And then you take your poster boy and it's like, why can't you do that with him? Especially having, you know, we've seen Capcom be willing to do these mid-season quiet balance changes where they add or subtract frames to certain moves and things like that like give ryu just a little bit and see what happens with them and if that doesn't work out maybe maybe give them a little bit more just like little tiny changes here and there we've seen them willing to do that kind of a thing so so why not do it with your poster boy or these other characters that are just flopping around the bottom of the barrel of tier lists and and give them a fighting chance keep things interesting one of the things that i believe you brought up you were saying that if your way of balancing a character is giving them lesser health, uh, or, or was it someone else on the Event Hub's team that, that brought this up, or was it you? I'm trying to remember. I now. think I said it. I yeah. don't know if I'm the originator of this idea, but it's something I was I was talking about recently. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just basically the essence of like if your character, if you've given someone so many tools that the way that you balance them is like lower health, you probably have done a poor job of balancing them, and that's pretty true. I mean, it, it's like look, it's one thing to balance someone on that. I get that, uh, but there there are it's kind of a cheap way a cheap balancing tactic basically and and yeah right i mean that it's different than than balancing a move or an ability it's just like the length of time that they'll stay alive or the amount of of hits they can they can take but if they're so good that they're not taking hits then it, it hardly matters um compared to giving or taking away tools and such but um, I think another thing that we sort of wanted to address were these kind of ninja edits that Capcom has suddenly started doing. Well, I don't know if it's it's all that sudden, but we've noticed them recently. Uh, the most pro- or like the the most known one, I think, is Akuma losing his um, frames on his standing medium kick recently. When the Cody patch came out, he went from minus two on that standing medium kick, which is one of the best neutral buttons in the game, to minus four. And then that changed up things a little bit for him, uh, especially with his corner pressure. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, what? what's going on here? Like that's. I, I think it's a good thing. I think that ultimately the idea that we're going to they proposed that they were going to just do a single balance update once a year and in a perfect world, great. But ultimately, I, I don't think that's going to cut it. Capcom has not been good enough with balance date, uh, updates to to warrant that approach. So being able to tweak things a little bit uh, and, and not not Nether Realm, you know, don't copy Nether Realm where you just basically overhaul your game every 20 minutes. But but Ouch. do little tiny tweaks, you know, <laughs> little tiny tweaks to to keep the competitive landscape relatively intact because i i like it if they didn't touch it again for now or from from right now on it's like it's not perfect but it's it's playable Mm -hmm. and and it's it's okay and like yeah cammy's gonna run rampant and things like that and you're gonna have these bottom of the barrel characters but like people can live in this atmosphere and and survive now that you're there why not just kind of sand down the rough edges? Why not give a little bit to these other characters? Why not take a little bit away from Kami and, and, and stuff like that, like they did to Akuma, just to even it out further? Like, you, you need just these little tiny minute adjustments, and they've shown that they'll do that kind of a thing. Uh, so what's to stop them from just kind of continuing to do that and, and ultimately 
get the game to a place where where people are really really enjoying it i agree it's why aren't they doing that consistently you know roll it out every you know character balance or character release date that comes out i should say so it's about every two months you know somewhere around there And, and why not keep that going i think that one of the main issues i've had with it though is just the complete lack of communication when they are making these changes. And it's it, it comes out like a week later, like after the community has already dived into this stuff and been like, oh, hey, guess what? Did you guys realize that like, you know, there were like 10 hidden balance changes in this patch? And we're like, no, we did not. Like, yeah. how does that sneak by Capcom's, you know, QA stuff? And they're, they're like, hey, guess what? Like, we just tweaked the game like dramatically. I hope you guys, you know, uh, did you notice? Did you not? I don't know, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, just put that out there. Like, let us know it's coming. I mean, even a day or two before, just put it up on Capcom Unity, say, hey, we did this like we have 100% confirmation that it's happened and it's not the first time this has happened like they tweaked Abigail a bunch after 3.5 as well Mm -hmm. and gave him back some of the uh, the frame differential on his normals and and I mean hey that's great you know it, it felt like they went too far with the character so that you know they pulled it back a little bit but just communicate that stuff to the the community like we just want to know you know and, and the fact that we have to you know go in there with a, a frame data tools and figure all the stuff out it's like it's a little bit ridiculous at this point in time and, and again yeah. yeah it will it and it serves two different purposes if you're capcom both pluses in my opinion the first which we were kind of getting at already is an acknowledgement that you are caring about your fan base and I mean, they need all of the all of the hits they can, or, or all of the positive movement that they can get when it comes to looking good for their fans. You know, and I don't mean like sell out and or anything like that, but like little things to say. You know, hey, here's a little bit better quality of life. Here's like I care enough to tell you about this and and such. It's like okay, cool, thank you, Capcom. Like I'm here. I'm I bought your product. I'm I'm spending hours a day maybe playing this thing, devoting my time, my effort. I appreciate it. Fun, you know, fundamentally, foundation. But, you know, give me a little bit because I'm, I'm continuing to buy the new content that's coming out. I'm, I'm reading up on it. I'm spending my time and my money on this product. Please acknowledge me back in the way that you promised you were going to do that when you called this whole entity of Street Fighter V a service-based product or a service-based model. It's like, well, give me that service. Acknowledge me. You know, mm-hmm. be there for when, when, you know. So that's part one. Part two is, I mean, ultimately it's it's you're going to have people talking about your game more, which I think is a good thing. It's going to be like more eyes, more discussion, more Street Fighter V hype whenever something like this happens. And especially if they're doing little tiny tweaks based on the understanding of where things are right now, it's more than likely that those tweaks are going to be in a positive direction, or at least it'd be easy to make them that. Like, you know the characters that are winning. You know the characters that are losing. It's not just you're creating this game and you can see on paper and and whoever, you know, development tested the game, those are the only results you have. It's like, no, you've had this community all over the world playing this game extensively. You have a very good idea of where things are at. Now, you know that, like, if you take a little something away from Cami, that the community would ultimately appreciate that, right? If you gave a little, like, if they gave Alex a few buffs, right. would anybody be upset or they'd go, yeah, no, it's about time. Alex Mainer, Alex Mains would be having a barbecue and partying and yeah. then, and then you know, everybody else would be like, no, good, I'm glad that guy needs that. Like, he's been <laughs> he's been on the outside way too long. And and again, it's just like good feels all around. Yeah. And ultimately, you have a, an ultimately better balanced game. It's like, I don't see why not take advantage of this, especially like we said, if they're already sort of kind of doing it. Yeah. I mean, they're already doing it. It really comes down to communication. And it's just like, hey, tell your fans that that buy these products and and you expect them to to plunk down like 20 bucks uh, additional Mm -hmm. a year just for like stage and, and Capcom Pro Tour DLC. 
you know, and, and then there's a, the character passes, which I think are 30 bucks or something like that. Like, you have all these additional purchases to your fans that are going out there. And, and it's like, look, like, address them. Like, you're asking for money. Tell them what they're doing. And, and again, we, we should give Capcom a little bit of props here. We, we flat out told them, like, and we did multiple articles about this saying, hey, tell people what is going to be in the DLC character pass that they're getting every year. Like, don't freaking like hide the character identities and expect people to pay 30 bucks a year for it and and like oh yeah hey guess what you're getting you know the worst characters we can come up with hope you like that here you go you know kind of thing (laughs) capcom's already gotten in enough trouble with that with marvel vs. capcom infinite like tell people up front what they're getting they did that with season three you know and that was really cool and i'm happy to see it hopefully that that goes forward and, and just again hopefully they can they can iron out these rough edges but even just putting up a tweet that says hey guess what uh we're definitely nerfing cammy a little bit next patch uh you know when when g comes out look forward to that that's perfect like the entire community will be buzzing and people will be talking about it even if you like you know you you cut off like her her taunt animation like it's like a frame longer <laughs> so people people will be excited about it they're like oh great they're finally doing something to the character and, and yeah so and, and that's where it comes down to it so hopefully they they listen hopefully they plug into the stuff uh but yeah, it's all we can do is hope. But one of the things I wanted to bring up, and, and it's kind of a, maybe the elephant in the room or the Alex in the room, uh, is <laughs> Alex is a very like divisive character to mention. Like he's horrible to some people because some people are like, "Hey, look, I've played against Alex a lot online and different things, and and that character randoms me out and does this other stuff." And it's like, yeah, I get that. Uh, that's another you know a person we have a main for on staff, Nick uh, Majin Tenshinhan, uh, if I can pronounce that correctly. I'm trying to get it out there, but uh, he is really adamant about how bad Alex is, and he has regular training partners over in Sweden that he plays against, and he's like, "Look." He's like, I get the character randoming you out and being able to rush you down and do a lot of Oki and other things like that. He's great at that. And, and, and Alex is really good at being random and, and kind of throwing stuff out. But he's like so many of his his pressure strings, his approaches, they're just not real. Like they don't work on players who know what they're doing. And, and he's one of those characters where you start learning all of his nuances and you learn to like just rush him down. Um, he falls apart very, very quickly. And... and that's kind of where I'm getting at with a, a lot of these characters who I think are very low tier and people just don't understand why they're low tier is a lot of times it's a lack of experience. It's lack of playing against them. And Alex is definitely one of those characters. He's just, man, he, uh, I believe after his like power bomb and most of his setups, like usually other characters like that are grapplers, they get Oki in that the situations like Zangief actually gets Oki there. Uh, and, but Zangief can't get in worth a damn. <laughs> he is, <laughs> yeah. uh, I literally feel bad when I see a Zangief player come up and ranked. I, I swear my winning percentage against uh, Zangief players is 90% online. It, it's somewhere around. Well, you're Minot too, right? Yeah. So oh, like <laughs> oh man. I, I literally feel bad for Zangief players when he comes up in there. Uh, but anyway, uh, Alex, is, he has an easier time getting in, but he suffers big time in neutral, and he has to take these big risks to blow people up and whatnot. And again, where do you get high-level Alex experience at? Unless you know someone who's a very good Alex player who's played a lot, it's like, okay, guess what? Like, I never see the character. I have no idea what he does, and that's what most Alex players get by off of is, hey, uh, 
yeah, you know, no one no one knows how to play against this character. Knuckle do infamously, you know, didn't even buy him. He's like, I'm not gonna trade against him. Lost, and and yeah. lost to uh, what's his name, Rivera. Yeah, at, uh, was it a combo breaker or CEO or something? I don't know. He he lost to an Alex player. It was pretty hilarious. Yes, exactly. But again, it's it, those are the, like the one sh- you know shining player in like thousands who try to pick up the character and do something with them. And it's like, yeah, when you're having that much failure, it, it's really not hard to knock those characters down to the bottom of the list for me. One of the things that that another that players will kind of do with their characters as well is uh, the classic George Costanza, uh, it's not you, it's me, you know, kind of thing. It's like, it's not your fault that you don't have, you know, tools to compete with the other, you know, top tier characters and whatnot. Like they, it, it's it's not your fault. You know, it's my fault. Like I just need to get better. And yeah, there's some truth to that. You know, it's a, it's a classic phrase for a reason, but be very careful with that because when you're looking at Ryu and you're comparing him to the other cast members and you see that the guy can't zone, his Oki is bad, and he just really lacks a lot of tools. Um, I, I think it was MDZ Jimmy, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly there. Uh, he talked about players telling him, hey, look, if you mastered Ryu's parry, he's a great character. And man, did I hear that a bunch back in the third strike days where people are like, hey, if you know what? It, like Perry is a great equalizer and you could do this and you could do that. And it's like, it doesn't get past the fact that other characters have better tools than that and they're easier to use. And yeah, if you, it, the, the, the basic philosophy there is like, yeah, if you master Perry, it's like, yeah. And okay. So you're going to make every read correctly in a match and time it perfectly and blow someone up for it. Like that's basically what you're saying. It's like, no, that does not work in fighting games. Like it doesn't work in anything. You're not going to p- predict everything correctly. And, and if you if you could do that, like, why are you playing fighting games? Why aren't you playing the lottery? Because that's pretty much like <laughs> where you're going to have better success at that point in time. It's, there's a lot of stuff people kind of get hung up on. There's a bottom line of, you really just want to look at what, you know, how characters are performing in tournament, how people are able to perform in ranked matches and other things like that. Like watch their footage and see what they're capable of. You will find hidden gems and hidden technology out there. That's very good. But when people are already playing a character really uh, at, at a very constant level and it's a pretty popular character and most of the pros go away from that character, there's probably a very good reason why. And so it, I don't want to, you know, seem like we're being hypocritical here and like, oh yeah, you know, like go out there and, and try to find you know new tech and other things like that yeah do that but there's a lot of caveats there where Daigo's playing Ryu and he's trying to pick him up again and play him like everyone loves his Ryu and he can't do it like that's a warning sign right there and then when all the you know 20 other Ryu players who are playing him in tournament like basically drop the character and say he sucks that's another really big warning sign and your odds of kind of proving them wrong it could happen but they, they start to diminish pretty heavily well yeah and when you have people kind of do this mass exodus away from a character like that then you know, again, you're going to have less chances for the character to shine, less time under the magnifying lens for people to understand what the particular good things are. Like, sure, maybe we'll find out that Ryu or Alex has some kind of a tech that that allows them to be, like, actually one of the absolute best. Like, that happens in yep. fighting games quite a bit. But when no one's playing them, because one, they're not easy, they're not as easy to use as other characters. Um, and two, like these competitors, they, they're in it to win it. You know, like there's a lot of money on the line. They can't waste their time when there's someone else that can do it just as easily. Uh, and, and so it's like you're also slowing down the development time for these characters or even bringing it to a halt almost until someone just really passionately brings it out because they just love the character or something like that. So, yeah, yeah I mean... And that's on Capcom. You want people to play your whole roster, make your whole roster worth playing. Yeah. And I, I do think there's an important distinction to make, too, between characters who are garbage tier, like the four that we've named, and then characters like Jury. 
um, in like Fong, I actually think is he's not great, but I think he's like on the edge of being viable. And I think the players that we see use him are actually decent enough and, and are having enough results to like say, hey, you can play this character. And and one of the characters I, I, that really stands out for me in this regard uh, is Falk. Uh, people were saying like Falk is just not good at all. And then we saw a bunch, uh, not a bunch of players, a handful of players take the character and, and do some damage with her and say like, hey, you know what? Like she has some tools here. And that's one of the fighters that, that just kind of falls on that edge of being halfway decent, you know, kind of thing. It's like, those are the characters you don't kind of want to throw away and just say, ah, they're worthless and not worth my time. If they fall into a viable tier, you can make up that ground without too much work. You're definitely going to be putting in more work than most other players, if, unless you're, you know, if you're going to go play Kami or, or Akuma or whatever, yeah, you're going to have an easier time uh, than someone like Falk. But that is a character you can invest the time into, and they do have a payoff at the end, typically. It's, it's rare when a character like that uh, will actually be um, just completely worthless in the end. You know, like where they're, they're on the edge of being viable and you think they might be like, they're usually going to fall on the, the side of, hey, you can actually do some stuff with them. So, you know, and, and people were putting a lot of Street Fighter tier lists have come out as of late on, on social media and such. And people have been putting like Blanca really low tier as well. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that, there's no way he's not any of the best. But his basic strategy very much lends itself to Street Fighter V. Uh, he's a scramble character. And once he pops V-Trigger, um, he can just get up in your face for free and then do a bunch of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not going to win consistently. That's not going to win consistently in tournament. But you're going to be able to essentially scramble your foes and win a val- like a valid amount of the time. Like, like a considerable amount of the time just like putting people into uh, do you push a button or not and he can get right into that and then and start doing it and then you you know tack on a player's ability to read somebody and there's a little intelligence in there it's like that character certainly can get the job done now he's built in such a way where you're not going to see consistency because you can't just flat out do it for free it's like every time you're wrong and you're going to be wrong you're going to get hit really hard but that's still just that basic approach of like get in and scramble is is still better than those like super bottom tiers that we were talking about like it's better to have that in this game than it is to to be one of the characters that we talked about with the deficiencies that we already talked about um go ahead yeah so so i'm a player and i'm i'm hearing what we're saying here and and, but i want to turn this back over to you and say okay you think blanca's okay and i've heard he's garbage like how do I know the difference between Blanca and Alex or Blanca and Ryu? Like, how how can I figure that out? Like, what resources should I look for? What things should I look at if I were you? Well, one of the, the best ways is to just follow, like, the, the top players. I think it was uh, Alex Valle who reacted to... He had the same sentiment as I did um, on social media. He's like, people that are putting Blanca low tier just don't know the character. Like, they just don't understand what's up because he's definitely in the middle of the pack. And I very much agree with that. I think just basically on the way he's designed. Um, so that's one thing. And then also Cast Blanca, the very strong Blanca from Street Fighter 4, who is in uh, Texas. He just recently got up to Grandmaster and he posted, yo, I just, I figured out how to use like V-Trigger 2. And I basically rode that wave of just mix-ups all the way to Grandmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's one resource. But otherwise, it's just kind of having... I mean, you just have to observe the game. You have to yes. see like the the flow and the pace of the game, what's good and what's not. And in this game, getting the hit and scoring the damage is often like going for the risk is often worth it because the reward for it will pay out so heavily. And it's like it's one thing to be able to win a match. It's another thing to be able to win consistently. So Blanca can definitely win matches. 
He just can't necessarily win all the time because the way he's approaching things, um, similar to like Ken, for instance, where uh, you're basically just committing to an offensive approach. You're going to do a thing or not do a thing. And if you do the thing and it doesn't work out for you, you get destroyed. But if you do it and it does work out for you, you destroy them. And like, so that's the middle of the pack. Lower bottom of the pack are the guys that will they'll do a thing and if it works it's like okay and if it doesn't work they get destroyed and then top is like characters like Cammy that can do a thing <laughs> and then if it doesn't work it's like ah water off the duck's back like it's okay I'm still safe for having tried it and I'll just do it again or I'm in a slightly disadvantageous situation that I can just kind of like whittle my way out of and then try to do the thing again. And, and and I think that those that's a very very basic and broad and and unrefined way of going about looking about why a character would be good in this game. It's a, a lot of it comes down to just like the risk and reward factor. Yes, and one of the examples I, I wanted to throw out there, kind of talking about this, is there's a lot of magic to be found by picking characters who are viable and decent. And, and you can do a lot with them. And one of the examples I go back to is Combo Fiend playing Marvel vs. Capcom uh, 3. And he was playing against, uh, I might be botching the pronunciation on this, but Kusoru? Kusoru. And um, anyway, he was uh, one of the infamous uh, Rocket Raccoon players. Uh, I'm trying to remember Rocket Raccoon. Um, Frank West. You're on your own. Yeah, man. and yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, Rocket Raccoon, Beautiful Joe, and Frank West. And uh, and basically, he went to final round, and and I mean, Marvel vs. Capcom is typically America's game. You know, that's especially Marvel vs. Capcom three. That's like you know the game we we really dominated the scene in, and and he came in there and blew a bunch of people up with that just really crazy team. And I remember Combo Fiend going on Twitter afterwards, and this was before he worked at Capcom. But regardless, he went on Twitter afterwards and said, "Man, those characters laugh out loud. Like, what what am I supposed to do to that? You know?" And uh, Combo Fiend was a terrific Marvel vs. Capcom 3 player, and this guy went and won the tournament, you know, beat everyone type thing. You can really surprise people with hidden technology, hidden um, uh, underground characters, so to speak. That's the magic in playing these characters and finding that kind of special thing. It's it's just, man, you have to be careful. You have to be really be careful of, of saying, like, hey, I'm going to make complete crap work. And it's like, oh, boy, like, you're... <laughs> You, you you've kind of entered a bad relationship now and you you don't want to go that route like it's that's not good you know kind of thing versus like hey you know what like this this you know pl- character's got some rough around the edges part but i can work with that like i see like i'm not going to play to those weaknesses i'm going to play to my strengths as as a, you know as a player and i can see where this can work and and again that's where the beautiful technology comes in that can really surprise a lot of people it's again where do you get high level alex experience where do you find that at it's like a, it just it outside of like a few pockets in the fighting game community doesn't exist and so it's just yeah it's it's that that ever you know balancing act of these games that that make them you know it's nothing is a for sure thing you know it's why we play the game nothing is you know you don't win at the character select screen all the time sometimes you do but you know not all the time you know it doesn't happen every time you play and um and yeah so that's the magic of that so look for that but be careful so that would be my message fair enough well uh so we've talked about the lower tiers and and trying to like survive at the uh, the bottom end of the tier list, but a lot of the players in E League don't do that at all, and that's why they're <laughs> the players in E League, along with the fact that they're just amazing at what they do. Um, but we have the finals coming up. Um, I believe it's this Friday. Yep, this correct Friday. me if I'm wrong. Yep. 
and there had we started with was it uh, four different groups mm-hmm. of uh, of like six characters or six yeah players. six players yeah. so that was, we started with twenty four and uh, now we're down to our top eight so only two players have made it out of each group and those guys are set to play in a bracket on Friday half of them are in the winners bracket half of them are in the losers bracket but we wanted to kind of take a little bit closer of a look because these are it's not every single one of the top players. Like I don't know that we necessarily grab the top 24 players in the world to, to start with, but it's a very good sampling of players. And so it's a big deal to win this and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line um, that are getting, you know, that's getting awarded out to uh, whoever wins this in the, in the, you know, top of the, uh, well, every, actually everybody got paid. Everyone that was invited, I think like the lowest you left with was like 500 bucks or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I think so, uh, down to, um, I've got the story up in front of us. Yeah. Uh, 17th to 24th is 500. So, yeah. So there's some money flowing around. So, hey, go esports. But we wanted to look at each one of these matches that are going to come up on Friday. Uh, We don't know how the the bracket's going to progress after this, but we can take a look at the first round and kind of get an idea of where these players are in their current Street Fighter V journeys, how they'll probably fare against the player that they're coming up against, both considering how good they are playing and what character matchups we're looking at. And then I think we're going to also try to figure out who we think is going to win the whole thing. We'll see what happens and... uh, and yeah, and then we can give an "I told you so." The the whoever you know predicts it right, if either one of us can do that. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, looking at the uh, the first of the playoff matches here, it's going to be Tokido versus Punk. There's a story to begin with already with that. Of course, the 2017 Evo Grand Finals was Tokido and Punk. Punk was on an absolute tear, destroying everyone. Didn't matter what nationality, didn't matter what event they were at. And Punk is the uh, reigning E-League champion, correct? Yes. So he made a couple hundred, he made like a hundred thousand bucks last year off of this. Uh, emerged last year as, for a time, the absolute best in the world. Tokido beat him at Evo, right? Reset the bracket. He was right there, poised to take it all, and uh, and then he ended up in second place. It was very emotional for him. He cried on stage, understandably so. And since then, it's been a slow decline for Punk. And he's still a very good player, but he's certainly not just taking four premier events in a row and destroying anyone in his path. His character was changed in Karin, and so uh, he actually played uh, four different characters in his initial E-League run this this year so um and and he won he he qualified in winner's bracket which people didn't really expect you know again still regarded as a very strong player in street fighter 5 but certainly not as good as he was last year now is that turning around well his e-league performance kind of kind of leads us to believe it might be but he's got a face off against uh, (laughs) no pun intended his demon tokido the akuma player uh very first round how do you see this going down okay so punk is is we do uh, bets here behind the scenes when we're watching top eights at multiple tournaments. Like we just do it and like the winner gets a pizza. You know, we keep track of points and whatnot. And, and one of our, our former staff members, uh, he still hangs out and all that, uh, Ryan, uh, he has a thing where he looks at the players' faces and kind of sees like their expression on their face. Like, 
what what do they have the eye of the tiger you know that's that's the only thing that's like jumping out at me right now sorry for the the crappy rocky reference there but yeah it's still <laughs> awesome but anyway um so he he likes to see if they have that and punk actually has uh less of like kind of a focus but he has a swagger about him where if he's kind of laughing and joking around and really just kind of in that mode of he's not salty he's not angry he's just he's joking and he's kind of in your head like he does that better than anyone else i've seen He's got the smirk of the tiger. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Perfect. And when he's in that mode, and he's been in that mode so far in E-League, I actually think that he will take this competition. Like, I'll even even put that on, like, from the get-go. Like, if he is in that mindset kind of thing, as I think Tokido is, is... He's having some rough periods right now. Uh, I think the nerf actually hurt him quite a bit, and I think it's going to continue to hurt him a decent bit. And he can get shook in these kind of competitions and not do very well. That's actually in his kind of history. Uh, Street Fighter V has been his best Street Fighter game in modern history here. You know, in Street Fighter IV, he had some ups and downs. And and so he's done really well in this game. Big props to him. But I see him get shook sometimes. And if Punk can get that mental edge on him, I'm, I would actually take Punk in this match. Okay, riddle riddle me this. Because, uh, first of all, you're right. Tokido has been established as, for at least a time also in more recent years, or more recent months, as the best Street Fighter V player in the world and has not, not had as consistent of results in just, like, the last two premiere events and such. Like, And I think in Rage, at least recently, his team um, was like the, the last place. Um, so it's like, yeah, he's not getting those same results that he was. Maybe his time on top of the mountain is over with. But just as a yes or no, do you personally think that Tokido is the best player in the world right now? Ooh. I don't want to know who you think is, but do you think it's Tokido? Um, I actually have someone else above him, but I've got Tokido in second at the moment. So, second. Yes, yeah, okay. I've got him in second. So Okay, I, yeah. so... Uh, and, and I assume Punk is not in the top three right he now. He is not in the top three, but I always okay. give him that punch. In E-League, that guy has a different mindset and approach. Again, he's just got to get back to it, but yeah. So you don't get to see Punk's face yet because we're it's Wednesday. <laughs> um, so you have to you have to make the call right now. Tokido and Punk, it's a first to three. Who do you think takes this first match? I'm taking Punk. Punk, all right. Well, I'm going to say Tokido. Uh, I wouldn't be absolutely surprised if Punk, but I think that... Um, it's like a six four in Tokido's favor right now because, like you said, the the uh, the chips have to fall in a certain way for Punk to win this, and if they don't, and I think it's more likely that they don't, then Tokido takes it. So uh, I'm just going the safer bet, which is uh, Tokido, I think. But again, wouldn't be amazed or surprised if Punk ends up taking it. Um, okay, so then we'll move to the second one. This is still in the winners bracket. We have the Beast CYG Daigo taking on. Problem X, uh, easily Europe's best player right now. Mm-hmm. And um, this is interesting because Daigo is this storied player, the most famous fighting game player of all time, and for good reason. He's been uh, struggling compared to his past performances in other games in Street Fighter V, but constantly leveling up and showing very much that he can understand this game and destroy people, especially in the uh, first to ten setting where he played Tokido and made him cry. <laughs> now, of course, it wasn't that Daigo beat him so bad he made him cry. It's because there was so much at stake yes. and, and so much pride and honor yes. and, and, and such. But, but Daigo took... Tokido, arguably the best player in the world, most successful player in the world, and picked him apart. Uh, it just took him a lot of games and a lot of studying to do so. Now, uh, on the other side, you have Problem X, who I said is easily the best player in Europe right now. And recently, we wrote an article um, 
trying to figure out who uh, the Event Hub staff regard as the best players in the world right now. And although Problem X hasn't taken a premier event this year, um, he did get top eight at Capcom Cup last year, and he has been doing a lot, making a lot of waves this year. He did take a raking event, I think two or three weeks ago, and he's been pretty consistently getting into the top eight uh, or top 16 of just about any event that he goes to. Uh, he does this with M. Bison and then an Abigail backup. So it's interesting because the initial movement is like, yeah, it's, it's got to be Daigo here. But Problem X has been on the up and up in some pretty big ways. It has, has he, you know, gotten enough momentum to get over the mountain that is Daigo? I don't know. But that's why I'm asking you first. So you can talk about it and I can figure this out. So one of the things that's very special about Problem X is his M. Bison. Bison is a character who's known as one of the biggest dumb characters in Street Fighter V. And he hands down is. I, I'm a, a Bison sub. I love that character. He's great. But you play him like I a... I like how Bison's the big dumb character when Abigail's his ultimate Yeah, exactly. Character. He plays <laughs> dumb characters, but he plays dumb characters unlike anyone I've ever seen play those characters. And it's specifically Bison. His Abigail is good and special, and I, I think he more uses that character as kind of like a, a break momentum, break timing kind of thing. But what's special about his Bison to me is that he he doesn't just like bison is infamous for i'm going to throw out a button and see how you react to it i'm going to see what you do when i do this and problem x is like no i'm not going to do that like i'm going to sit back and react to most everything you do and then when you get in uncomfortable situations i'm going to pressure you and kill you his bison is unbelievably patient it is so reactionary like it's it's just amazing how often he gets off the uh the double jump uh medium punch i'm trying to remember like hell attack i think is what it's called and, and just like sets you up for a big combo like it's his reactions are so damn impressive that is not easy to react to uh in, in game and whatnot especially with you know uh, how street fighter 5 works it's just so impressive so i i think that uh for me personally i'm gonna take problem x in this matchup because daigo does great in first attempts he does uh i probably wouldn't bet on anyone else if daigo's placing the, playing against him in a first to ten but in these shorter formats and i believe this is a, a best of um uh five in this one uh, i'm i'm definitely gonna take problem x in the opening match because i think he's on a bigger role right now daigo's always got that 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 puncher's chance as they talk about in boxing where yeah he could just be on that day and just knock you out and that's kind of what i look at it as daigo he's he's kind of lost that consistency edge in this game and it doesn't seem to work very well for him and he's got a lot of other stuff going on i think he just kind of enjoys being uh, a strong competitor i don't think he, it's that important for him to be the best competitor anymore you know i think he has so many other things he's, he's getting into and just kind of enjoying playing games and playing at a high level uh, i don't think it's as important as it used to be to him my speculation purely on my part but so yeah i'm taking problem x on this on this one um a lot of me and i said this a little bit on best of five yesterday but a lot of me uh has recently grown an appreciation and a respect for problem x that i didn't have before um and, and like i would never have really rooted for problem x before and now i find myself thinking like he's really earned it and he's done a lot with the characters that are, are not bad but they're not amazing um, coming up against Daigo, who's playing one of the best characters in the game. That said, Daigo's known that he's going to play Problem X for weeks now, and um, and he has, you know, still till Friday to study and look at the tapes and such, so you're going to have at least a little bit. It's not a first to ten, but it is a studied Daigo, and he's playing Guile, and um, I would actually give the the puncher's t chance over to Problem X with the more likelihood that Daigo's going to take it all. Because it one, it's Daigo, and two, it's it's Daigo with time to prepare. So Batman Daigo, if you will. 
Um, and, and coming off of that, like I would be happy to see Problem X go really far in this because he's done so so many times and done so when people don't expect him to. But I still would have to give this to Daigo just because of the things I mentioned. So I'm going to say Daigo moves on. So that would make it for me Daigo versus Tokido. And for you, uh, Problem X versus Punk if, uh, if our predictions are right after the first bracket, which is interesting. Haven't agreed on either one. Yeah, yeah. You're completely wrong. I'm just letting you know. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, disagree with you. I have not yet, so. won one of those pizza bets yet so i can't i can't really uh, toot my own horn too much over here but we can move over to the losers bracket we have interesting dogra and momochi those names both very good players but neither has been all that consistent in street fighter 5 dogra had a moment where it was like he might be the best and then dragon ball fighters came out and he spent very clearly a lot more time doing that and his results in street fighter 5 kind of dwindled Momochi has been a consistently great player, but has not really found his stride in Street Fighter V. He's more had these like peaks amongst more valleys. Um, had character crises a little bit uh, because Ken has not been the best character in the game, and he hasn't been able to really stick with him and make him work. So he's been using Colleen, but Momochi has been famously a Cody, uh, not main, but user in the past, mm. and Cody is now available in Street Fighter V, and he's a pretty good character mm-hmm. like from what from the little we've seen thus far we haven't seen him in a in tournament because he's so new but he'll be available i believe by e-league and so we might see momochi cody and who knows what to expect at that point so there's a lot of variables that go into this um so what's what's your take though i am taking dogura i'm not betting against Urian. uh i i like what momochi is doing as a player, uh, I think it's really cool what he's doing with Colleen and all that, but that guy's been massively inconsistent in Street Fighter V, and I just, I can't bet on him in good conscience, and I like him as a player. I think he's very fundamentally sound. Uh, it's just, this is a game that, that as much as people like to talk about it random, like, you can be consistent in it, and the fact that Momochi has done okay periodically in tournaments and whatnot just is not enough for me to pick him in this matchup against one of the most consistent players actually in Street Fighter V. Now, he doesn't win a ton of tournaments, but he is consistently up there in the, the upper echelon of players. And playing Urian, who's still a very strong character, I just don't see how that Momochi is going to take him out. You know, both of these players had really bad uh, performances in the beginning uh, stages, mm-hmm. and, and that is where they play a round robin. So everyone plays each other, and then the better you do there, the less you have to play to get into the finals um, in the bracket phase later. Both of these players, um, Dogura went 1-4, and four, and Momochi went 0-5, and five, mm-hmm. meaning, uh, and Momochi didn't win a single game. He went 0-10, um, which was, was pretty gnarly. Dogura went 3-9 and nine with total games played. But both of them fought from the very bottom of the bracket, meaning that they had to fight the most amount of players and made it all the way through, um, always on elimination, and made it all the way through and and both qualified out. So uh, already kind of like Cinderella stories uh, to begin with, and it's kind of unfortunate that they have to play each other immediately because it would have been cool to see either one of them go far in this final bracket. But um, yeah, it's it's so... It's like what Momochi is going to show up and uh, and it's like first of all, which Momochi and which which Momochi character, right? Because we don't yeah. know if it's going to be Colleen or if it's going to be um, Cody or, or maybe someone else completely. Who knows? But yeah, I, I do like the Dogura pick. 
I will again won't be surprised. Momochi's an amazing player and has shown that he can do it, but he doesn't always show up for Street Fighter Five events. And uh, I think Dolgara has a little more consistency just in the in the fact that he's got Aegis mix-ups, right? Like that's a huge tool to have. Um, so you got to have a lot coming up against a player that knows how to use Aegis just to begin with, plus everything else that Dolgara has going for him. So I'm going to also say Dolgara for this one. I think that he's the better bet. Um, and yeah. Moving forward to the... Uh, or did you have something else to add? No, I'm good. Ah. Moving forward to the final match of the first round. Kind of a surprise that he made it through everything. I, I don't think that he was the first choice, but he did. Uh, Rise Smug and his Balrog made it all the way through their uh, their bracket, I think on the loser's side. But he's coming up against Fujimura, who only lost to Daigo in... Um, in brackets in order to come out second place and therefore be on the loser's side, but is regarded as quite possibly the best player in the world right now after we saw what he did at CEO. Um, and uh, his Ibuki is, is probably the most optimal. Um, well, I guess I could say Fujimura is the most optimal player converting everything. If he touches you, you're going to get hit for a lot of damage into probably mix-up situation, Oki and everything. Uh, he doesn't let anything go. And in Street Fighter V, that's such an important thing because it's those little tiny things that can change the pace of a matchup. And if he's never missing those. It's like good luck trying to beat this guy. So... Um, both very strong players, but it feels like, man, if, if you're smug, you you have a pretty big mountain to climb right in front of you. Yeah, uh, GG smug, love you, dude. You're a good, <laughs> you're a good player. <laughs> I I really like you, but that's gonna be like pretty much like the shock of the, you know, shock matchup of of maybe 2018 if he actually beats Fujimura here. Um, I I don't think that's a good matchup for Balrog. Uh, I. Uh, you're going against probably the hottest player right now on the planet. Uh, good luck, dude. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll root for you, but I'm, I'm definitely not picking you. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so smug has been a consistently good player, but not, not an amazing player. Like I think he got into a top eight or two at a ranking event. Um, he might've, I, I'd, I'd have to pull it up here in front of me, but he, he might've done, um, equally well at a premiere or two, but certainly hasn't really taken anything down, I don't think, this year. Balrog's been nerfed since his iteration in Season 2, and Smug's still making him work decently well. But again, like it was kind of like a glory moment for Smug to have qualified out of his pools, or... Uh, uh, yeah, to, to make it into these top eight finals. And it was amazing, and it was great, but you know when fujimura did it it was like yeah well good it's 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 friday do your job whatever you know nothing nothing out of the norm and again the matchup not too amazing here for for balrog so yeah it's definitely fujimura's to lose uh, smug has got to get like a little bit lucky and just have the one of the best days of his life in order to win this not to say that he can't but the, well the and the other thing is Fujimura, when he's on, it's like you can't stop him. I don't think anyone in the world can stop yeah. him. It's a combination of Abuki's ability and Fujimura's ability paired together. It's like, ugh, GG's. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also shown that, like, what what was it? Was it Stunfest where he won and and really put himself on the map? He's been a great player all of Street Fighter Five. He got top eight in the the first Evo of Street Fighter Five using Nash, um, which was he was a good character back then. Um, but but he's point is he's been around. 
when he turns it on though like he went through the losers bracket of uh i think it was stunfest doesn't really matter he he went through every amazing player that was there infiltration twice and like his record was ridiculous um he was just untouchable and then he didn't for a while the next couple of events he got like 16th or 33rd and it was just he was just another player again another decent player and then ceo rolls around and he just destroys everybody so uh, also a top eight placer in Capcom Cup. This guy's got everything going for him. Again, if he can show up with that, with that, like you know, beast mode Fujimura, not only smug, but everybody has to watch out. Like he's he's definitely, even though he's in losers bracket, a favorite to win the whole thing right now. Yeah, he he beat uh, Infiltration and he beat uh, Haitani, you know, to get into uh, the group phase and, and a handful of other players as well. And it's just like, uh, dude, like. Yeah, you're you're fine. Yeah, you go ahead, go, <laughs> go, you know, go place very far and whatnot. Uh, I I just I honestly I, I give Smug a lot of props because his one of the things that people knocked on him a lot was his defense. And Balrog is not a character in Street Fighter Five that has good defense at all. Uh, he is you know gonna murder you with offense and whatnot. I really give Smug a lot of props with the spacing and his timing because I, I've been watching him adapt, and there there's a good reason why he's in the top eight of E-League. He has been working more on his fundamental approaches with this stuff, and he still has a swag. He still has a, that amazing like just murder you Balrog, you know, type thing. And it's, it's great to see, but he is tightening up a lot of loose ends that he had before. I just, I personally don't feel like it's going to be enough this time around. And uh, yeah, Hey, there's no shame in losing to the best player around. So, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So good luck. Smug is, is the uh, consensus <laughs> out of that one. So, all right. So we have our, our basic picks here. We disagree with the winner's bracket, but we think the loser's bracket is going to play out the same way as far as the very first round goes. But if you had to pick one of these eight to get all the way to the end, considering that some are in winners and they can afford one loss and some are in losers and means if they lose once, they're completely out. Who do you have taking the entire thing? I have Swaggy Punk. Uh, if he's not Swaggy, then no. But if Swaggy Punk shows <laughs> up, I'm taking Punk all the way. Interesting. Um, you know, if I were if I were just playing the... If I was in Vegas and I had a bunch of money and I just had to put it on someone, I would put it on Tokido. But... Uh, there's something, there's something about Daigo right now that um, I feel like I'm usually wrong. As far as Street Fighter Five goes, I'll bet on Daigo and I'll be wrong. Um, so I won't be surprised if this doesn't work out. But he is right now my pick to to win the whole thing. Um, I guess it's a combination of like heart and statistics. So those together. Um, and seeing the way Daigo's been able to pick things apart, really, we've talked about how he's he's had time to prepare for problem x but you know he's looking at fujimura he's looking at fujimura's tapes and things like that he's looking at all these guys because you know seven other players he's played all of these guys before and um it's not too hard to find any footage on all of them so he's he knows like he's he's only got a few people that he's going to come up against and you give him time to prepare i think that he's really got a fighting chance paired with the fact that he's in winners so he can lose once um Again, I won't be surprised if he loses, but I'm going to go with Daigo as my pick. So that's our uh, E-League prediction. We will find out who was right and how right they were this Friday. So that's, uh, what, two days away. And I think that's on, well, it's on Twitch, but it's also on TBS at uh, 11 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing how that goes. And again, the I told you so's will flow afterwards. And the pizza will be eaten, hopefully, by one of us. But oh, are, we doing, are we doing pizza you know, for, uh, for Ely? I guess I have to now, so I committed to it. But yeah, let's do it. Aha. So. That's awesome. 
cool. I'm going to win pizza one of these days. And that does, I, I might not necessarily pick uh, Daigo to win. And just because I picked him here, I'm, I, I might go for the for the pizza. I, you know what? I don't I, I don't know if you're allowed to hedge your bets like that, man. I'm just saying, you know, the, the pizza oh, rules man. are pretty strict. But uh, but yeah, we'll see. So, so anytime <laughs> Daigo's playing, I have to pick him? Well, I mean, you already took him on the podcast. So if, if you're going to, like, you know, back up on that, I, I don't know if I can allow that. But, but we'll see. I so. guess. <laughs> All right. Well, unless you had anything else, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this edition of the Event Hubs podcast. Nope, I'm good to go. All right. Well, then, thank you all for tuning in. Tell your friends that there's this really cool fighting game podcast that they want to listen to. And again, as always, please send us in any information or any questions rather that you might have that you want us to talk about. Um, it could be something about the game. It could be something about the the current culture of of fighting games or Street Fighter Five, whatever. If we get a couple of those, we'll uh, we'll start doing a mailbag segment where we bring it up and try to answer them to the best of our abilities. Thanks, and we will see you next week. <laughs>